0: Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Basell podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now, I'm going to bring you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Happy New Year! Hopefully, everyone has had a great start to their 2023. This episode isn't going to be a normal podcast where I'm going to be kind of talking about the news and and everything that's going on in movies. That's going to be for next week. Instead, for today, to kind of celebrate the the week and get ready for the new year. And since I really haven't had an episode. So far this week, and I promised I would get to it. This one's going to be dedicated to all of my most anticipated films of 2023. Last week to end 2022, I did my top 10 of the year, and that one you can find on my podcast on Spotify or on SoundCloud or on Apple Podcasts as well. So if you want to check that one out, go right ahead. But this again is going to be all dedicated to things that I'm looking forward to in 2023. And there's a lot of stuff to be excited about overall, but I think when you look at the movie calendar of this year, and I did an interview with Eric Davis a couple weeks ago, kind of recapping 2022 previewing 2023 and we had i think a very interesting conversation about what this slate of films look like and i think especially when you look at the last couple of years again especially with the pandemic it's 2021 2022 have been kind of this slow rebuild to get to a point like this where i think 2023 is a year where it's a very diverse palatable slate of feature films it includes blockbusters comic book films, mid-level dramas, comedies, horror films, and it really all starts out... Early this year, I think the big first big film that we have is in February with Ant-Man and the Wasp: Quantumania, and it really doesn't stop until the end of the year. Every single month, there are at least at least two big blockbusters coming out for people to look forward to. And even we, Eric and I, talked about it again a couple weeks ago. In the month of March, there are four or five big blockbusters coming out every single week. Two at least on every single weekend so there's just a lot to look forward to there are, i think some holdovers from last year because of the of kind of the, the late reelings of the pandemic and some films weren't finished yet they were in post-production the vfx shops have kind of been backed up because of all the big blockbusters that are coming out and how vfx heavy they are in the demand that takes in front of them and they want to make sure that they get it all of them as right as possible So this year is really, I think, the first clear indication of getting back to those pre-pandemic 2018-2019 levels. Now, they're not going to be at that height just yet, but I think we're the building blocks have slowly started to come over these last couple of years, and this is the best that we have gotten so far. And I don't think we're going to get any big release date changes, release date pushes to next year. I think a lot of these films that I have on my most anticipated list are actually going to be coming out this year, and we're going to be getting them starting off in just a couple of weeks, really, with, again, ant of the Wasp Quantumania being that first major blockbuster to come out that I think people are really kind of looking forward to and it should be a really good year and when I look at my most anticipated list and what I was hoping for and what I really got when whittling my my top 10 and even some of my honorable mentions was that it really was a mixed bag of all these great interesting films that are coming out again some of the names that you've heard of before there are some comic book movies on here some titles that'll be no surprise but I think this is a very good slate For what's to come and I'm very excited to really kind of check out a lot of these films and see what they're really all about I've loved the trailers that have come out for them and even for some films that have no promotional material whatsoever and aren't coming out until the end of the year I'm still excited about what the, the potential of them, which is why it's the most anticipated list. You're, you're excited about the potentiality of all these movies, trailers, no trailers, hype or no hype. They're what you're excited about. So these are the ones that I'm really kind of gearing up for this year. And I'm just gonna go over some of my honorable mentions right now. I picked about five to six that I wanted to put on my list, and it was a tough list to really kind of put together. Especially the bottom half of my top ten, it was it, it was tooth and nail of what I really wanted to put in there. And it can it, it speaks to the amount of films that are coming out this year, where you're even allowed to have that kind of decision making within making a list. And so there were just these some of these movies that I'm really looking forward to, and I just I just couldn't put them on the top ten. And it came over some because of some of the other films that are coming out this year. So again, this is a no specific order I'm just gonna kind of go in random for some of the films that are in my honorable mentions the first one goes to Blue Beetle which is one of the DC films for, for one of the four DC projects that are coming out this year and it's the one that I think has some of the biggest question marks of especially for DC all around this year of what is the DC universe going to be looking like going forward especially with these four films there's a new regime taking over over at DC right now we you have Shazam the flash Aquaman And Blue Beetle, and with those three other films, they're pre established franchise characters and even though flash this is it, it'll be his first film he, he still was a part of the justice league movie so this is a, that the, the flash is a continuation of that story shazam fury of gods is the continuation of shazam and aquaman 2 this is of course a continuation of the 2018 aquaman film but with blue beetle it's the first really live adaptation of that character of that that hero and i think a lot of questions going into it and, and some fans hopes are is this going to be maybe connected to James Gunn's universe? Could they maybe find a way to keep these characters around, or is this really just going to be a potential one and done with these characters? And even if it is, I'm one that is excited for this for this movie. the the the, the, the main lead of this, Shoto Muerta, who of course plays Robbie Reyes in. In the or Miguel, excuse me, in 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 Cobra Kai. I think he is a really good actor, and I was really happy to see him get this lead role and kind of build on those building blocks for his career. And so I'm excited to see this. I haven't seen any previews for it, but just knowing who's behind it, knowing who's gonna be in front of the camera, I think this could be one that is gonna be very, very exciting. So that one ends up on my honorable mentions. The Super Mario Brothers movie is another one that ends up on my honorable mentions list, a movie that I didn't even think would even land anywhere near my list top 10 or honorable mentions but it does I have really enjoyed the previews that have come out for this film so far. I think it is a a movie that is going to be a true four-quadrant hit to begin this first half of 2023. It's coming from Illumination Entertainment, which, again, even though I think Pixar is still the standard of animation and storytelling when it comes into that field, Illumination has kind of been that number two to Pixar over the last couple of years and they've come out with some really entertaining films for families overall i mean of course the despicable me franchise that spun off to the minions you have the secret life of pets they, they did a grinch movie a few years ago so they're very much a top tier studio right now and i think they know exactly what they want to do with this with with these characters with this world it is a very popular world that spans decades which is why i think this is going to do very very well the the voice acting seems brilliant and yes that does include the voice acting of chris Pratt as Mario. I think the animation looks gorgeous. It it feels like you're playing the video game. And I think that's really what you can ask for when we're making these kinds of movies. I'm sure it's going to have a ton of Easter eggs. So I'm really looking forward to this. And again, before seeing the previews, it wouldn't have even been in my top in anywhere near my top 10 or on this list whatsoever. But the previews have really got it done for me and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So that's one that ends up on my honorable mentions. Another one is for a franchise that I I really enjoyed when it was on its run back in from 2012 to 2015. And I'm excited for this prequel film. And that, of course, is The Hunger Games prequel, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, which stars Tom Blythe, Rachel Zegler, Viola Davis, Peter Dinklage, are part of this ensemble. And it sees the return, a la kind of Fantastic Beasts with Dave Yates of Francis Lawrence returning to this franchise who directed the last three movies of The Hunger Games franchise with Catching Fire and the two-part Mockingjay films. And again, I really love The Hunger Games franchise. I think when we talk about Young adult, YA adaptations, other than maybe Harry Potter and Twilight, that is really the one that stands out above all the other ones that have tried and failed really in the early 2010s when when that was really kind of the fixture of Hollywood. And I am looking forward to this film. I'm a little hesitant. I wanted to try to put this in my top 10, but I couldn't get myself to do it because I am a little bit prone to – Fantastic Beasts fatigue a little bit when it comes to this, and the fact that they're, they're, you could say they're milking this franchise, but the one thing that does save me from that is that even though J.K. Rowling wrote the screenplays for the Fantastic Beasts films, with those movies, they really didn't have any source material to base anything off of other than the first movie, Fantastic Beasts, and where to find them. Whereas with this film, from everything Francis Lawrence says, Susan Collins, who wrote the novels, the Hungry Games novels in this one, just wrote this prequel book and they're basing this movie off of that book and nothing else. And it sounds like from what Frances Lawrence has talked about with this movie is that this is going to be as of right now a one and done. It's going to tell the full story and nothing else and whatever Susan Collins comes up with next then she will do what she needs to do and they'll adapt from whatever she comes up with. But just for this film again I I get a little bit hesitant even though it's dealing with a younger version of Cornelius Snow and how he rose to power I it doesn't have the the, the trio it doesn't have Peta or katniss so i can't get overly excited about it but i do love the world of pan am i think having francis lawrence back who directed uh, the better movies especially catching fire coming back to this i think is, is a huge get i'm a huge rachel zagler fan and, and she's gonna have a big 2022 within the blockbuster realm between shazam and fury of the gods and this before her big her bigger film as a leading role in snow white next year so this is really i think going be a big test to her to see how audience are received to her in a bigger light when she's taking part of this big uh, big franchise's big IP and the rest of this cast, again, is incredible. So, again, I'm a little hesitant, which is why it's not fully in my top 10, but I'm excited enough that I still wanted to put it on this list so it ends up on my honorable mentions. Another film that ends up on my honorable mentions is for a film, is to a sequel that came out last year and as a part of a franchise that is my favorite horror franchise of all time, and that is the sixth installment in the Scream franchise. I really enjoyed the film that came out almost... Almost a year ago to the day, last year in the fifth screen film, I thought it was a great balance of nostalgia but also and returning characters but also introducing new characters, new character arcs, and I think Radio Silence did a great job of honoring the legacy of Wes Craven and what he did with this franchise, but also making something new and their own, but continuing that meta talk about movies and horror and how it can really become kind of this influential culture. And I really like the direction that these guys took it in. So I'm very excited to see what they do with this sequel. And that now that they have kind of the success of that fifth film, which is their first film off their back, they can feel a little bit more free. And what they want to do and I think you see that just in the little that we know about this film and the fact that we're going to be continuing on with these new characters and Sam in in all these new iterations with, with Melissa Barrera and Jenna Ortega who now is a huge star especially coming off of Wednesday last year and it's going to be very interesting to see How the marketing plays into her because the film was filmed before Wednesday came out so her story is the story no matter what but I'm very curious to see how heavy the marketing leans into her character and if that'll be a big a big component to get people to go to the theaters and see this film, but continuing on with those characters, but also going to a new place, leaving Woodsboro and going to New York City. And when I heard about that, I was a little worried because I read that they didn't film in New York; they filmed up in Quebec. And sometimes when you're not, you're not always filming in natural locations all the time, but it is something that sometimes you film in New York or sometimes you film in the actual locations, but sometimes you film in a studio setting, but it feels natural. So I was a little worried about it shooting in somewhere else, but it looks like New York. Even though it's a teaser trailer on a subway, I felt like that was... A New York subway and I'm really excited to see how Radio Silence utilizes New York in a big area like that for kind of Ghostface's killing box and, and what they can really utilize there that I don't think any of the Scream films I utilized before they're very much kind of in these secluded towns or colleges Scream 3 takes place in LA so I guess that one is you can compare it to that one but New York is very much more of it's a tight-knit space it's closed it's, it's 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 very much even though it's big it's it, it can feel claustrophobic and I'm very hoping that that radio science leads into that a little bit more and I think what makes the screen franchise different is the fact that it is a Who Done It mixed in with a horror film and so you it's a new who is ghost faced every single time and I like the twist that they took in the fifth screen film so I'm very excited and interested to see what we get in this movie as well and then of course along with the new characters you get some of the old ones you get Courtney Cox coming back as Gail Weathers and then the big kind of return to this one is Hayden Panettiere as Kirby from the fourth screen film so it'll be very interesting to see how her character plays into these new films the only bomb is that unfortunately, I mean, as of right now, maybe they got her back, but right now we know that Nev Campbell is not coming back as Sydney Prescott because of disputes when it came to the pay that she should have gotten, but it didn't seem like she was able to come to an agreement with, so she won't be in this film. So that's a little bit of a bummer, but I think there's enough here to still get people excited and go see this film when it comes out on March 10th, which is why it ends up on my honorable mentions list as well. Another one is The Little Mermaid, which is kind of the, reintroduction again to these kind of live action retellings that we've gotten over the last couple of years, but ever really since the pandemic hit out, we've gotten a few here and there on Disney Plus, but the big ones of the big popular Disney animated films, it hasn't really come out since 2019 with Aladdin and The Lion King. We were supposed to get that in 2020 with Mulan, but that obviously that went to disney plus because of the pandemic so this is kind of of going back to those films and what bigger one to kind of continue that with than the little mermaid of course you have halle bailey who's coming in playing ariel you have an incredible cast of supporting roles that includes melissa mccarthy as ursula javier bardem as king trident you have Dobby diggs playing sebastian jacob Tremblay voicing flounder so this is a film that again i've only seen the teaser trailer and i think just seeing it on the big screen it's gonna it's gonna be magical and i think you have a great voice in Halle bailey who obviously is a phenomenal singer so hitting the beats of party of your world and all these other songs I think it's gonna be goosebump inducing and I think she's gonna really kill the role. I think people are gonna see what kind of acting ability she has. There's a reason that Rob Marshall went with her. She, He saw something in her abilities that said that is our Ariel. So I'm looking very much looking forward to that. I think this is gonna be one of the biggest hits of the year. I would not be surprised if it ends up being the one of, if not the most, the highest-grossing film of the year. It could very much well be number one. I could see it grossing a billion, billion and a half dollars. It has that potential because of the history of the film and and the legacy that it carries, and that it really was the first film that push forth the disney renaissance getting films like beauty and the beast aladdin lion king this was the first film to do it back in 1989 and reintroduce a new era of disney animation that is still arguably the best to this very day and so i'm very interested to see what Ron marshall does with this film and how everything looks going forward with this movie. And the teaser trailer looked awesome, so I, I'm very excited for that film. And the last one on my honorable mention list is Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Again, another DC film. Really enjoyed the first film. I thought it was a fun little adventure that was kind of big meets comic book films. Uh, Zachary Levi was great. The cast of kids, like Asher Angel, was awesome in that film. So to see the continuation of this once again, you have David F. Sandberg coming back to direct the film. You have a brand new introduction of Villains And cast members, again, mentioning Rachel Zegler, who ends up on this list twice, and then having the villains of Helen Mirren, Lucy Liu. Um, I'm really, really excited about with this movie and to can see a continuation of this and the, the fun nature of it is very exciting. So Shazam Fury of the Gods ends up and ends my honorable mention list of 2020. Now to move on to my actual top 10 of of the year, the ones that I'm looking forward to the most. And we're going to kick it all off, of course, with number 10. And that is going to be the fourth film in this franchise that I'm very much looking forward to. And that, of course, is John Wick Chapter 4. I always say it on the podcast when we talk about something with John Wick, but when that first film came out years ago... You couldn't even tell me now, or if, if, if me from now came to, to pass me when the first film came out and said, John Wick, this movie with Keanu Reeves, this little action film, is going to be one of the biggest franchises around right now that just keeps getting better and better with each film, I would have said, you're crazy, you're lying, there's no way whatsoever, but here we are in 2023, and not only is John Wick... On its fourth installment, they're now filming a spin-off film with Ana de Armas, and there's going to be a prequel show set on, I believe it's Paramount Plus now instead of Stars and it's going to be its own show. So John Wick is essentially its own universe now, and it's one of the most unlikeliest of things to actually happen, but there's a reason for it, and it's because, again, each film gets better and better with every installment. The third film, John Wick Parabellum in 2019, was amazing. I mean, every single time Chad Stahelski, who directs Chapter 4 once again, every single film that he has done just ups the ante in the action every single time, and it makes sense, and he's able to expand on the world of John wick in very interesting ways and it seems like he's going to continue to do that in this movie i love the kind of john wick versus high table in this one it, the, the 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 visuals the cinematography looks gorgeous i mean it looks like they really kind of upgraded the scope and scale of this film it, it seems like it's another globe-trotting adventure for john wick the cast uh, ensemble in this one is uh, amazing once again get bill skarsgard you get uh, you get Clincy brown in this one you of course get a plethora of amazing people donnie yen is in this as well so uh, the the cast in this one is insane and i'm very much looking forward to seeing the adventures of jonah would continue in its fourth installment number nine on this list for me is is one that is actually the only mcu film that i have on this list and basically it negates two others that I don't have anywhere near. I'm looking forward to them, but I'm just not as excited as I am for this one MCU film, or really a lot of the MCU films coming out this year, but the one that does end up on my list is at number nine, and that is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And I am somebody who loves the first Guardians of the Galaxy, like... The the second one, I thought it was a little bit more goofy than the first installment. I thought it had a great blend of heart and humor, and it really kind of established James Gunn today, and I think it established the Marvel brand in a way that that is the jargon that it is today. And this franchise is a big reason for that. And these characters are absolutely beloved. Chris Pratt as Star-Lord, Dave Bautista as Drag, Zoe Saldana as Gamora, Nebula, Rocket. We have all those characters coming back for this one, but being introduced to new characters as well. You have an incredible cast or incredible people coming in as Adam Warlock. You have a new villain in the High Evolutionary. You have just an incredible scenery that you have in this film, I think is amazing. And I've, I've been looking forward to this one, but to me, it was really the preview that got me over the edge of putting this on my most anticipated list. The The trailer for this one looks incredible. And Gunn has said that this one is the more emotionally complex film that he has done in the Guardians trilogy so far. And This is going to be the end of James Gunn's kind of trilogy and story that he set up for all these characters before he moves over to the DCU as its studio head, and I think he's going to go out on a high note. I think it's going to be a very emotional film. I mean, it looks like people are going to die In this movie, whether it's Rocker, Raccoon, Drax, I have no idea, but he is going to make me cry about a talking raccoon. I'm going to have to bring the tissues, but I love the trailer for for this film. I'm very much looking forward to it, and to see how it all kind of comes together and how it ends is remarkable. And I also think overall for James Gunn, it's an incredible story, story from being the director that he became to be from Guardians and then everything that happened with Disney being fired because of past social media tweets and then kind of revitalizing his career once again and, and doing the Suicide Squad Peacemaker and then Disney rehiring him to do Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and then to become the DC the DC Studios chief really alongside Peter Safran is a great kind of comeback story but especially when you just look at the Guardians and, and again that he was going to be a big part of the MCU but then again the tweets came out and that and then he's re by Disney and he's able to finish off the story that he began back in 2014. So I think it's a great story. I think he's going to do something that we're not going to expect whatsoever, and I think he's going to deliver an emotionally resolute trilogy to these characters, and I'm very excited for that. I'm looking forward to it, which is why that is number nine on my list. Coming in at number eight is one that I always knew I had to have in my top ten. No matter where it landed, it had to be here, no matter what. From the, from the first time I heard the news that Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig were going to be a part of this film, and that, of course, is their adaptation of Barbie, which stars another A-list cast that includes Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, Simu Leo, Issa Rae, and of course, it was written, directed by Greta Gerwig, and of course, co-written by her partner in Noah Baumbach. And uh, again. Even if I didn't see the teaser trailer for this movie, I was I was so insanely interested to see what this film was actually going to be, and the the the, the trailer for it just sent it over the edge. Even though it was a minute long, it, it fit the style, the poppy kind of of circumstances of this movie. It's got the big vibrant colors. It looks it looks great. And but I feel like there's an underlying element to this film that we have no idea what it is. I'm ready for this movie to become a full-on drama show and become like this horror drama in a way that we that we have no idea about when we actually see this movie and it's because of the people that are behind the scenes. And so I don't know what's going to come about Of this movie, but the fact that it's led by two prestigious filmmakers and writers, but specifically Greta Gerwig, even though I include Noah Baumbach as the writer, it's really Greta Gerwig who, when you look at her directing career so far, *Lady Bird*, *Little Women*, both prestigious, award-worthy title films, to go to something like this is a huge change. But I'm I'm very curious to see what her vision of this film is. I think it's going to be a huge hit. It's already been it's really started its free marketing campaign since last year when. There were a bunch of set reports that came out during the summertime when Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie were filming, I believe it was on the Santa Monica Pier, and you could just see all the costumes are going to be vibrant so there, there it's been a lot of building up in anticipation for this film so i think it's really going to blow over and really deliver for warner brothers and for the theaters come july 21st when this film comes out so i'm really looking forward to this film and cannot wait to see it in july then kind of sticking in the summer movie season coming in on my number seven spot, is for a movie that's been a long time in the making. And I've been looking forward to this one. Want to see how it all ends. I love the director. I, of course, love the star. He's a legend. And that, of course, is for the summer film, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Even, again, like I said, I, I love James Mangold, who's directing this. He's directed some of my favorite films over the last I don't almost decade plus now at this point between Ford versus Ferrari, Logan, the Wolverine. Out of furnace, he's just somebody who delivers on a lot of the films that he directs, and I feel like this one is no different. And he, it seems like he's going to be handling the swang song for Harrison Ford in Indiana Jones. And just from the trailer, it looks like another adventurous Indiana flick, and it has that magic and wonder of those films that came out in the 80s. And I think that's what people are looking forward to. I love the cast in this one. I think, again, I said it when the trailer came out, but seeing Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who is somebody that we know from kind of the comedy background when she did Fleabag and she's a great script writer. But to see her kind of take on a more adventurous, badass role, I think is going to be very cool to see her, a different side of her as an actor. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what she's going to do, the chemistry between her and Harrison Ford, Boyd Holbrook, who is a mangled favorite. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see him as kind of the henchman to Mads Mikkelsen's main villain. Who again, Mads Mickelson in anything is great. Mad, Mads Mikkelsen as a villain is a plus, and he always delivers in that facet. So I'm excited to see what he does in this film, and again, just to see just to see how it all kind of wraps up. I'm very excited about it. It's just got some great action. I think it's going to be a great summer film. I think this is going to be a great addition for Lucasfilm after kind of what they've been going through with Star Wars and Willow. I think this is, again, going to be a nice deviant from some of those elements and deliver, I think, on the film side for the studio. So Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny comes in at number seven. Coming in at number six for me is the DC film that I've been looking forward to maybe since 2020, and that of course is The Flash, which is directed by Annie Muschietti, who did a great job with the two IT films back in 2017 and 2019 stars Ezra Miller, Michael Keaton, Ben Affleck, Sasha Kelly, and this is a movie that, again, I've been looking forward to since it was announced, really, that Ben Affleck was going to be coming back as Batman. Again, for people that listen to the podcast, Ben Affleck is one of my all-time favorite Batman. He was just amazing in the role, and I felt like he got shortchanged for a lot of various reasons that I won't get into here, but... I think seeing him get a little bit of a swanks on here is, is going to be great to see whatever kind of role he has, but also seeing Michael Keaton back in the Batman role. I think that's going to be the big, big hook for this film is delivering on the nostalgia elements of seeing really the first live action or really the second but first really major feature film Batman, all due respect to Adam West. Michael Keaton was the big one to come out from the Tim Burton era, and and I think for to see Keaton come back in this role, I think is going to get a lot of people excited about this film. Dealing with the multiversal elements is going to be exciting for a lot of people and seeing where DC goes with this story and I think there's a lot riding on this film and a lot more even more so with, with James Gunn and Peter Safran coming in of, of what is this film going to do for the DCU and if it does anything impactful is it going to last and I'm very curious about that and of course everything going on with Ezra Miller I think outside of this movie, it's going to be very interesting to see how Warner Brothers handles this. But just looking at the movie, I, I'm very excited to see what this film, go, engo- the direction it goes in, how it deals with all these elements. And we really haven't heard a whole lot about what this movie is really about. I know it's dealing with kind of, again, multiversal travel and, and time traveling and, and being in different timelines, but we really don't know anything about this film. And we haven't, other than a little teaser show that came out in 2021 during DC fandom, we really haven't gotten any other Material, Some set photos here and there, but that's it. So I think for, there's a lot riding on the Flash, but more so than that, just as a film, I'm really looking forward to seeing these Batman on the screen, whether they're together or not, doesn't matter, just seeing them on screen is gonna be great. Even though, again, there's a lot going on with Ezra Miller, I am excited to see more of that Flash right now. I was a big fan of Barry Allen and Zack Snyder's Justice League especially. So to see what else he does in this film, is going to be exciting and then also the fact that again this is a flash movie that's been in development hell for a long, long time. And so to finally see this film come out and all the different iterations and versions that are probably in a vault somewhere that won't ever be seen, is exciting to see that this film is finally gonna be coming out in the way that it is. So that is why it ends up on number six on my list. But it wasn't able to crack the top 10 because this top 10 is very hard to crack for my most anticipated and it all continues. With number five on my list, which actually when it was supposed to come out last year was probably in my top three, but it just shows how big the other four films ahead of it is and my fifth film is Creed 3 which is going to be directed by first time director Michael B. Jordan it stars him once again as Adonis Creed it also sees the introduction of the of his rival that is going to be in this film who'll be fighting in the ring and Jonathan Majors. It also sees the return of Tessa Thompson, Felicia Rashad. However, Sylvester Stallone will not be returning as Rocky in this film, which I think is going to be very interesting to see if that really affects the the... the the success of this film or not because i think a big part of the first two films was having rocky in there but i think they've done such a great job of continuing the story of adonis that they've earned the right to not have rocky in this film and can just continue on adonis's journey and i think they're making this one his most personal one To date, when he's fighting off against a childhood friend of his who resents Adonis for having all the success that he feels like he should have had. So, I really like that they're making this, I think, a good personal exhibition that they're gonna be having in this movie with the fight. I'm very excited to see what Michael B. Jordan does as a director. And again, I think that there's a film that you wanna do as a first time director. For him, this is the good one to start off with. It's a franchise and, and a and a, a set that he knows he's familiar with. He's of course worked with these characters. He's worked with the likes of Ryan Coogler and Denzel Washington, who are directors as well. And he has, I'm sure, learned from them. So this is a great way to, to I think start out for him. And I'm very excited to see what he's able to do. I'm a huge fan of these movies, and so it would be it would be against me to not have this in my top five, which is why it lands exactly at the number five spot for me. I love the trailers. I cannot wait to see this film. The fact that it's filmed in IMAX, uh, I'm definitely gonna be getting a premium level ticket to see this film when it comes out in March of this year. But it wasn't able to knock off, again, these other four. And coming out at number four for me is a film that I was absolutely shocked by when it came out a couple of years ago. And it is the sequel to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse in Spider-Man Across, or yeah, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Again, to me, the 2018 film is one of the best comic book films of all time. It was it was my second favorite film of 2018. It was something that I think shocked not just me but a lot of people by how good this film actually is. The animation style was really revolutionary for its time, but I think it also told probably the best Spider Man story. Ever in terms of kind of it, it's, its theatrical landscape. I think it's better than any of the Spider-Man films to come out that includes something like No Way Home. But I, I just think that it was able to do a great job of honoring and paying tribute to what makes Spider-Man great and, and kind of having all these Easter eggs and all these elements of different spider man across all these universes come together. But make sure that even though it's, it's showcasing all these elements, it's really about the story of Miles Morales and his journey and becoming a Spider-Man and that universal message of kind of inclusivity, but specifically about anybody can wear the mask. It doesn't just have to be Peter Parker. It can be a Miles Morales. It can be a Porky, uh, a Spider-Pig. It can be, or Spider-Ham, excuse me. It can be any of these different characters that can come in and, and be Spider-Man. And I think it was a great message that they came up with. I think it had some great music in there. The score and the soundtrack for this was an all timer. And I just think that there was just a lot of great elements to it. It won the Academy of award for best animated features so there's a lot riding on across the spider-verse and the trailers that have come out for it look incredible it seems like the directors and the creators phil lord chris miller are back once again and they're really going bigger and bolder instead of, of miles morales having the the multiverse come to him he's going into the multiverse this time around so we'll be and we're going to be introduced to characters such as spider-woman so played by Issa Rae. You're going to be having Spider-Man 2099, Miguel O'Hara's character who will be voiced by Oscar Isaac. And it, it just looks big, bigger in the best way possible. And I'm really excited to see how this one turns out. So it ends up on my number four list. My number three film on my most anticipated is a film that I actually had before the pandemic started. It was my number two film of 2020, but it ends up on number three this time, and that is Dune Part 2. I loved the first film when it came out in 2021 officially because of the pandemic. I thought Denis Villeneuve did a fantastic job in directing the, this this big vast sci-fi film that many people labeled as unfilmable, but I think when you saw that Denny Villeneuve was making this film, there was one person who has attention to detail, who has great craftsmanship, but explores story and characters and does it all well. He is that guy, and he delivered an absolutely masterful film in that first part. And people were wondering, are we going to be getting the second part? Are we going to be seeing the 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 finished story or the continuation of the story of Paul Atreides? And we're getting. That at this year, it's actually happening. It sees the return of an A-list cast of Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya, Rebecca Ferguson, Javier Bardem, and includes some other A-listers that are be coming into the, the into the fray as well. You have Christopher Walken coming in as the Emperor. You have Florence Pugh who's playing the princess, and then of course, the arguably the biggest star of last year is coming into the Dune franchise this year, and that is Austin Butler. So it's got another incredibly stacked cast name to this one, and knowing the story, me personally, of Dune, I think for people that maybe didn't think there was enough action in the first part, I think you're going to get a lot of that in Part two, I think it really kind of evolves the story. You're introduced more to the Fremen. I I think people are really going to enjoy this second part. I'm very curious to see how Dune Part 2 does in theaters because it did well in theaters. The first part did well in theaters, but it also did well on HBO Max. And I think now that we're very much kind of pulling away from the pandemic now, we're not in the same situation we were back in 2021. I'm very curious to see how many more people who maybe saw Dune on HBO Max, on TV, are excited about dune part two and might go see it in the theaters now and feel more comfortable about going out than maybe they were maybe two years ago at this point so i'm very excited about this movie i'm looking forward to it and again denny villeneuve is my second favorite film director on uh, right now working and of course nolan is still number one right now but Doom Part 2 wasn't able to knock off the number two film that is on my most anticipated list of 2023, and that label goes to Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One. I think this I think Mission Impossible, this movie would have ended up on my list no matter what. But the reason I think it ends up very high on my list, and I remember talking to Eric Davis about this on my interview with him a couple weeks ago, is I think this very much is momentum from Top Gun Maverick moving over to this next mission film. Again, Tom Cruise is coming back playing Ethan Hunt. You have another great ensemble of Rebecca Ferguson, Vin Rain, Simon Pei coming back. You have Cy, Cy Moraes coming in as the villain. You have Hayley Atwell. Pom, Pom Klementov is coming in this in this one as well. Christopher McQuarrie is coming back to write and direct this. And I just think everything that happened to Top Gun Maverick and what Tom Cruise was able to do with that movie and the action and the stunts, I think, translates over very well for this film. And, and given the fact that the past few Mission Apostle films have been great, I think th- the fact that that I have this wave of Tom Cruise kind of back in the forefront right now, I want to see everything he does again. He is, that, he is the best movie star on the planet right now. He just goes for it every single time. So I think that from Top Gun Maverick equates to my already excited anticipation for this movie and jumps it up to the number two spot on this list for me. I think what I'm very interested in and excited about, of course, are the stunts. The fact that we're already they're already marketing what they're labeling as the biggest stunt in cinema history with him riding a motorcycle off of a cliff is insanity. But again, it's what Tom Cruise does. But also, what's interested to me about the Mission Impossible films over the last couple of years, especially since McQuarrie has taken over, is the writing. And he is a great script screenwriter. And these mission films, again, it's probably the same of world domination, nuclear weapons, all that kind of stuff. But the way that McQuarrie is able to make twists and turns within the mission and create disguises and duplicity, which is what you want in a spy espionage film, and specifically the is what Mission Impossible is so great at doing, from the television show to the movies, he's able to, I think, really hone in on that. And I think he did a great job masterfully of that in Mission Impossible Fallout. So the fact that that is all in there, I think the fact that we're riding off the the wave of Top Gun Maverick, into this movie I think is going to catapult this film for a lot of people on their most anticipated list and I think it's going to be very very it's going to bode very well for this film financially where I think and I was talking to Eric about this and he agrees this film could very well become the first Mission Impossible film to gross over a billion dollars at the box office and I think it's because of the popularity of the franchise I think it's Tom Cruise and I do think also that momentum of Top Gun Maverick is going to carry this the momentum into this film it's going to carry on over to success for this movie. So, I'm very excited for this film. I can't wait to see a new trailer and I can't wait to see this film when it comes out in in July. So, again, write this one down for me. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. I'm all in for this film. But it wasn't able to knock off my most anticipated film for 2023. It was the same when it was in 2020, when it was Tenet and when it was Dune, my two favorite filmmakers out and about right now they have two films coming out the same exact time unfortunately the pandemic messed with that but hopefully 2023 will not do that and we will get these two films coming out of course dune part two and my number one most anticipated film coming from my favorite filmmaker in christopher nolan's oppenheimer i am so so excited about this film and i think until christopher nolan just doesn't make films that are interested interesting to me I think until the end of time right now, Christopher Nolan's films will probably end up number one on my most most anticipated list for the future, just because the guy knows how to make experiences, and he he does such a great job of making different films in his portfolio. I mean, Tenet was an espionage, sci-fi thriller and now he's going back to making kind of a biopic thriller in Oppenheimer. It's it's basically the, the telling of the story about the making of the atom bomb and the person behind it. And he's once again joined by an A-list cast that includes Cillian Murphy playing Oppenheimer, who has been a mainstay of Nolan's for a long time. He finally gets the spotlight as the leading man in this film, but he's also accompanied by a great ensemble that includes Florence Pugh, includes Emily Blunt, Robert Downey Jr., Matt Damon. The list goes on and on, really, for this I mean, when you look at the IMDb list for this film, even if if someone just has a quick scene probably in the film, it has a lot of recognizable names in this cast list. So on top of that, on on top of Nolan being able to make a theatrical experience for people and make it thrilling, I'm all for it. He's always trying to make different concepts when it comes to these kind of films. So what might have been usually maybe a straight up biopic when talking about Oppenheimer, he just from the trailers, it seems like he's able to make something intense and stressful and really kind of captivate you of what's going to happen in this movie. So I'm very much looking forward to Oppenheimer. It's going to be a little weird that this is going to be his first film away from Warner Brothers, which has been his home for a majority of his career, especially in the successful parts of it, from The Dark Knight to now. So it's going to be a little weird, but Nolan film's a Nolan film, and I'm very excited to see what he's able to pull off in this movie. So Oppenheimer ends up on my number one most anticipated films of 2023 so to kind of run through the top 10 again number 10 is john wick chapter 4 number 9 is guardians of the galaxy volume 3 number 8 is barbie number 7 is indiana jones and the dial of destiny number 7 number 6 excuse me is the flash number 5 is creed 3 number 4 is spider-man across the spider-verse number 3 is Dune part two. And number two is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning part one. And my most anticipated film of 2023 is Oppenheimer. So that's the list that I have. What about you guys? What list do you have? What are your most anticipated films of 2023? Are there any of the films that I've mentioned on my list? Or are they any of my honorable mentions that make your top 10? Blue Beetle, Super Mario Brothers movie, The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, Scream 6, The Little Mermaid, Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Did those films end up on your top 10? Let me know down below and leave your thoughts. And with that down and out of the way, that will do it for this edition of the sam cell podcast once again everyone thank you so much for tuning in be sure to check out my channel for more content you can check me out on spotify apple podcast stitcher radio public soundcloud and much more also make sure to tune in on to the ambiguous podcast solutions and be sure to check out the other amazing shows on the podcast solutions such as you mad bro the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis also make sure to check out goal-driven professionals geared toward improving client relations the return on investment and customer acquisition costs for individuals independent businesses and services. Also make sure to check out The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. Also along the way, make sure to check out these other amazing shows on the Podcast Solutions, such as Wrestle Attic Radio, Frontal of Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You can check these and so much more on the website, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, also on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Canterbury Treehouse, use the coupon code Ambiguous. Also, when you get a chance, make sure to follow me on on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Samuel. That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L and also on Facebook at Sam And you can also check out my YouTube channel at The Sam Podcast. So once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, keep on screening.